everybody, and welcome to Save Your Sorry, the podcast where we discuss the rise and fall of your favorite or rather least favorite celebrities. And here we are with our monthly book club episode. Now, granted, we are a little late, but we are here. We are and here. Today, uh, Jose is going to be discussing his book club pick. So uh, just refresh us on what that was, what we're talking about today. My pick was In the Country Love, My Family Divided by Diane Guerrero. And yes. for if someone who doesn't know who she is, she was Maritza in Orange is New Black, and she voiced Isabella in Encanto. Isabella. We read the book. How'd you feel about the book? Should I share how I felt? Yeah, of course. Let's see okay. if you're racist. Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, this is why I was going to hide some of my true feeling and just go on with the book. But I feel, and I feel bad kind of saying this too, but I did enjoy the content of the book once we kind of got into the story a little bit more. But, and also I did, uh, I did not read this book. I listened to it, uh, audiobook style. I was a little bored, just a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, y'all. Just a teensy bit. But I did enjoy the wrap-up of the whole story as well as, like, in the end, shifting the focus, the whole narrative to the, the immigrants all over. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed the book. I was a little bored, but I still think it was it was a good read or a listen in my case. I kind of felt a little opposite from you where I thought the ending was boring and I like the beginning of the book. Well, yes. In in terms of entertainment value, yes, the 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 big stuff, the more like fleshing out the story, it was in the beginning. I agree. Yeah. I just like how it told the overall story and wrapped it all up with the statistics and how, you know, this isn't just a her thing. You know. But yeah, you're you're right. It it, it was a lot part. more at the end where she's doing like the statistics and how everything works about people applying for citizenship and being deported and all that. Mm-hmm. I skipped. I was like, this is not the story. This is, you know, it was a call to action. So it wasn't the story. Oh, so that it ended before that for you. <laughs> yeah. That, okay. that was not included for me. Okay. Look at you. But all right. Good on you for hating statistics. Yeah. It was just, I feel like stuff I kind of already knew, and it wasn't a story. It, it was like reading like a textbook at that point. Okay. I could see that as well. I kind of like the way you put that, though. It, it was kind of like a call to action. You're right. I mean, I think that's what the chapter was called. Oh, I didn't pay attention that well. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know in the audiobook if she says the chapter names. She probably does, but you know me. I'm, I'm at, I, I listen to it when I'm at work and when I'm driving, so sometimes I don't catch the chapter names. I just listen to her story. <laughs> I switch between reading and audiobook depending on my mood, I guess. Or no, what I was well, how do you do that? Because I'm a genius. A little bit. I, I, <laughs> I admire you to be able to switch between like reading it and then listening to it and reading it. I, I feel like once, unless like you said that last time when you like kind of had to change, um, if I have one way, I have to stick with it like that. Uh, I, fuck, I can see that too. Up. I will say her voice wasn't bad doing the recording. Mm -hmm. I just think it was very calm, very calming that almost like, I don't know. I don't want to say she didn't have emotion. She wasn't monotone, but I feel like she could have put more emotion in there. Like there was definitely some parts where when I thought she was being funny, where she did like tune it up a little bit. 
but mm-hmm. for the most part, she used like the same calm voice, which which is okay. Yeah, I I, I feel like I, I feel like well, I didn't think she needed to amp it up or not, but I, I kind of noticed what you did, like when the dialogue called for it, she was a little more enthusiastic or more, uh, you know, bold with her uh, talking and stuff. But but for the most part, she was kind of on the same tone. But I I, I didn't mind that because she has a decent voice. Some people have like, a voice where it's like monotone to the point where it's like, bitch, we are listening to paint dry. <laughs> but I uh, yeah, didn't mind I, hers. I wouldn't say hers was boring. There's more like a calming, nice voice. Mm-hmm. And but for the most part, I think some you have to listen to a story like when we did. I hope they serve beer in hell. Yeah, I do think his voice added another element to the story. I don't necessarily I believe her him. voice added an element. Yeah, because it just I think it gave context to the person we thought and knew he was. So. Yeah. So yeah. So the book starts with Diane at 14 years old, spring 2001. She is going to Boston Arts Academy and has a duet coming up, a love song called Last Night of the World. Before leaving off school, she gets in a little argument with her mom. And it's nothing serious. I think it was just a regular teenager argument. Mm-hmm. Besides this, she feels like the family's luck is on the rise. Her father just won a few thousand in the lottery. Her niece is around, and her niece currently hadn't been around because her older brother of a decade had separated with his wife, and Diane has this duet. Diane goes to school, and she just feels something is off. She thinks it's the argument she had with her mom, but she's going to turn on the waterworks when she gets home, and everything should be cool. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because how she's painting this day is like, you know, this happened, but let's not worry about that. I got time to fix it. This happened, but... It ain't like I'm not going to, you know, do this or see this or, you know. Yeah, it's heal. kind of like how we all go our, through our days thinking that, like, I can worry about that later. Exactly. But she does have this weird feeling or this bad feeling that something is off. She pushes it down thinking it's nerves about the duet. She goes to practice for her duet and she just can't sing. It sounds horrible. But she chops it up to nerves. Leaving school, she stops at Foot Locker, a shoe store, and buys some new Adidas. Her father had given her a 50 when he won the lottery on her way home. On her way home, Diane calls home, and she it goes to voicemail. Diane knows this ain't right, so she gets another quarter to use at the payphone, because someone should be at the house by now. Mm-hmm. And same thing, ring, ring, voicemail. Diane knows something is up and takes off running to her house, and she sees her dad station right in there, so she feels a moment of relief. But as we know it, it does not have a happy ending. Yeah. So from here, the book flashes back to when Diane is younger. She talks about she didn't have much, but they had each other type of thing. Mm -hmm. They made it work. They made it work. How her parents always cooked and tried their best and worked hard to provide. She then goes into some background of her family. Her mom, Maria, while in Colombia, fell in love with a man and dropped out of the teaching program she was in when she got pregnant to discover he was he already had a secret family. And so he leaves her alone with the baby. Her father, Hector, tried to the school route too, but his father had an aneurysm when Hector was 14. So he started working in the fields, picking beans. He still continued with his studies until his mom died in a bus crash. 
he then had to put his goal into the side to help with the family. Yeah, that that bus story was so fucking sad. Yeah, like, it was because she was the only going, one who died. Only one. You're going through some stuff, you know. Shit's already tough and hard at home, and then this happens. You're, you know, and then it's your mother, who's the only casualty, trying to save her own daughter. Um, yeah. Of fucking course. So even though Maria and Hector lived near each other their whole life, they didn't meet until she was 20 and he was 25. She threw a dance party and he went to it and the rest is history. They fell in love by dancing into each other's hearts, but they were still struggling with money. Hector could work all day every day now in the sugarcane fields and still only bring home 200 a month. They couldn't even afford to live without their family. They had to live... In someone's house. I forget who it was. I think it was his sister's house. You know, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> it was someone's house because in this book, they like move around yep. people's houses. Sadly, Maria's sister was gunned down and killed. And a year later, on the anniversary of the shooting, her mom had a heart attack and died. Mm-hmm. Which like is... Just, just, when it rains, it pours. Yeah, like... Maria's mother was grieving her daughter's shooting so much that she had a heart attack. Like, that's crazy. And you hear about, like, unfortunate phenomenons like that, like dying of a broken heart, dying of grief, you know, too much stress, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. It's unfortunate, especially for, you know, these unfortunate, impoverished people who are trying to make a good life for themselves, but you can't you know, make a good living wage, uh, get yourself nice things, uh, pay for your food, and with what's going on mentally as far as brightening up your world with better opportunities and stuff like that, it, it just has to come to you. And they're just not in that type of community where they're given things like that. Yeah, so Maria has another sister who lived in New Jersey. So to get out of poverty and sadness, Maria convinced Hector to go live with her sister and get on their feet in America. And they only got a visitor's visa for four years, but it was more of a we were cross that bridge when we come to it type of situation. Yep, let's just get let's just get in. Let's get in, let's get there for four years, and then we're you know, something will happen. Because really, four years, you think that's so long, but it's mm-hmm. really not. It's gonna come by so fast. And you're also hopeful that yeah, this four years is going to turn into forever because we're going to there. There's obviously going to be a way that we can get there. But the fucking United States. Yeah. In your idealistic mind, you probably think, oh, we can save up so much in four years. Mm-hmm. But really, you're not saving because all that money has to go to paying rent or even expenses to get to your job, like a bus to the job. Or it's just, yeah, it's not doesn't really work out for them. <laughs> so 1981, they go on moving with Maria's sister. The years go by and part-time jobs turn into full-time jobs. They have Diane and also, don't forget, Maria already had that other child, Eric. Yes. And they get their own apartment and it's not all happy all the time. Teenage Eric is acting out. By now, their visa has expired. That means Maria, Hector, and Eric all face deportation. Teenage angst and not a good look for the future. Eric is butting heads with his stepdad, Hector. He's telling him, you know, you're not my real dad. And mm-hmm. 
just wants to do what he wants to do. Like any teenager is going to butt heads, but all those extra elements added in there. So one night, Maria and Hector arguing over Eric, and Diane is like, "Y'all need to chill." And <laughs> and she's only seven, but she tries to stop them from arguing, and it gets heated. And Maria's crying. She throws a box of buttons at Hector. Let's talk about this part. <laughs> and Diane tells them to stop or she would call the police. And Maria's like, go ahead, girl. All that's going to accomplish is getting us deported. When this part came across my ears, I said, God damn. <laughs> Diane don't know nothing about this, sweetie. I said, to, talk to the talk to your daughter like she's your daughter. Said, why don't you, Diane? Why don't you call the fucking police and get us all goddamn deported, you idiot? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, God damn. She's trying to mediate. She doesn't know what's happening. It's all she hearing, all she's hearing and seeing is fighting and escalating tension and anger and she's just trying to say or do anything she can because you adults obviously are not cluing in on the fact that you have a child around and you guys should calm the fuck down and also diane is a child she does not know anything about deportation ice their status as uh her status her parents status as immigrants her brother's status as an immigrant. So, I mean, I would have thought they would have tried to clue her in years and like little by little and not just, uh, you know, spoon feed her instead of shoving the whole thing down her throat. But she I does understand say that she knew they were undocumented, but she didn't really know what that meant. Exactly. Yeah. But I get it. You know, it was a high stress situ situation. So I'm not really trying to you know, bang down too hard on the parents, but it was just when I heard what she said, I was like, dang <laughs> it. was like, she turned all that anger towards Diane. Yeah, just for it. She flipped that switch for just a second on her. Uh-huh. So, Diane was born in America, so she's cool, but the rest of them are at risk of being deported. So, that shuts up Diane, like she's not going to call the police and have her family deported. Mm-hmm. And the parents argue through the night, and Diane just plays dress up. But I think it's alluding to this was her way of escaping and making characters and, you know, the seeds of her being an actress are planted. Yep. The parents are out there working for their kids, but at the same time, there is this constant fear of being deported. They are working for their papers, trying to pay people to help them. One, wo one woman actually ends up scamming them and running off with the money. But... Simple things like someone knocking on the door, driving down the road, someone asking them where they are from, mm -hmm. all cause fear of them being deported. And at the time, President Ronald Reagan had a program where people could get amnesty for entering the country illegally, but Maria did not fully meet the requirements, and Hector was too scared to apply. And I yeah, think Maria's... For some weird reason, I guess because of whatever was going on at that time period that she was a part that she was in the she was in the country of Colombia. And I'm like, bruh, you can't win for losing. Yeah, it was like a few months she was in Colombia when she had to be in the United States and it was like And it, it's not she was no longer eligible. Yeah. Yeah, Hector's just scared. He thinks if he applies to put a target on his back. Yeah, he's just terrified, period. And I understand that too. It's just like, <clears throat> you don't want to push your luck because you're already here. Yeah, and 
at you know ideally it would get you your papers but most likely they feel that they're going to be deported if they reach out to authorities mm -hmm. in 1997 hector finally agrees to let someone help him start the process and they agreed to take Diane with Hector to the meeting to help translate. And that just hit home with me. Diane ta talks about having to translate bills and official things for her parents. And mm -hmm. having to do that with my dad. Like, you know, at the time I was like, I don't know shit about this. I'm a kid. Like, what? <laughs> like, you know, he yeah. talked to me about tax documents. He's like, what does it mean? I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, you speak English. I'm like, where I don't know what this means. Exactly. I can just tell you what it says. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of immigrant children, she has to do the translating for her parents. Mm -hmm. And I saw a lot of that as, as well as a child in growing up. Because, you know, when when you're broke, uh, your parents, like if school's out or something's going on, you know, they got to take you with them to their errands. So going to the Social Security's office, food mm. stamp office, stuff like that. A lot of times you would see the children kind of taking on a forward row. Like I've seen the kids at the counter, like the parent holding her up because you know, those counters are high as fuck sometimes. Yeah. Just to talk to the uh, attendant at the window for their parent. And it's like, it's so endearing, but it's also so very sad. Cause you yeah. know why. So back to the book, Diane and Hector go to the meeting, but the news ain't great. The lawyer is telling him it would take up to 10 years to get a green card. And his rate is 300 an hour and would need 700 up front. Mm -hmm. Hector just doesn't have that money, but it's not really a choice they have. So Hector gets a third job and Maria starts babysitting more. And the lawyer accepts 500 up front instead of the 700. Maria also plans to reopen a case she had when she lived with her sister to gain citizenship. It was closed when they moved, but all the paperwork was supposed to have been filed already. And Hector ain't feeling it. He's like, we're already working on me. Let's, mm -hmm. you know, cool our jets for a moment. Because that is putting a huge spotlight spotlight on us that we don't need. And this is when they had been doing that. They had been in there for like some years. They had been paying this man. In sixth grade, Diane is bullied on her way back home from school by two Puerto Rican girls. And they call her a wetback and say her and her friends have flat faces. Which, what which the is, fuck? <laughs> yeah, which is so bizarre. Like, you know, to white people, all Latinos are the same. But mm. there's just so much infighting with the Latinos. And then, yeah, not, not saying yeah for y'all, but saying like within different ethnic groups, you have like those people, who, those weirdos who try to make a hierarchy of things of this ethnicity or this is more special than this person or you're lighter you're darker uh -huh. you don't speak this spanish you don't speak that spanish you're not from that region i remember when i was working at a job that had more mexican women in the kitchen two women got into an argument and you know they were arguing back and forth and one just kept saying like well, I have papers, I have papers. And it's like, girl, why you did throw that on her face? You both work at the same place. Damn, that's cold-blooded. But it's like, you know, stupid stuff like that that we find amongst our own selves, like, to tear each other down. Like like you said, a lot of it is skin tone or something stupid. There's always going to be something stupid to argue about. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that was a... She, barely touches on that but it was still there in the story 
And Eric has a baby named Erica. His baby mama moves into their already tight living situation. Eric starts working more, but him and Gloria are fighting. And they're pretty much fighting about he's not helping enough with the baby. She moves back in with her parents, and Eric starts backsliding. He stops working and just gets into arguments with Hector. Gloria plans to sponsor Eric for citizenship, so that's how he is working on being documented. We later find out Gloria put a pause on the sponsorship when they started to have problems, which that bitch. Here's well, well, I could see why you would call you would say that bitch for a couple reasons. But I'm also looking sideways at Eric too. Cause it was like Eric was, you know, in his feelings. He was dealing with a lot. He was, you know, had this girlfriend who eventually he gets pregnant and all these friends that he keeps hanging out with and staying out with. He gets this girl pregnant and he starts to maybe come around and be a changed man, helping out more. And then all of a sudden some turn, you know, with him either feeling discouraged or just not thinking he's enough or all the pressure. And then he starts backsliding completely. And it's like, you have your foot in the door. It's going to take some time, but you have this woman who you have this child with, who's trying to get you your green card. Granted, it's not the best case because with children and new babies and stuff, and you're crowded in the whole house, it is a lot on a uh-huh. relationship. But it's like, you, if you stick in it, you could probably get there. So I was a little frustrated with Eric as well. But yeah, it is a little shitty where it's, you're just having issues, but you're still together and you will put your hold, put put the hold on the green card. I think unless you officially break it off and break up, then okay. But having problems, that, that, that shows me that maybe you don't believe in me or maybe it's like a um, carrot. Yeah, I think that too. But just the simple fact that this is your f- baby's father, you would want them in the same country. And you, his family is letting you stay with them. You're not staying with your family and him visiting and he's not staying with your family with you. You are at his family's house and you, this is... And you know their situation. Yeah, and I think at this time he is too old. He's like over. He's either like eighteen or over eighteen. Yes. And so if his parents do get citizenship, I don't think he, you know, he would have to apply for himself. Yeah, it doesn't just fall over him. Yeah. But we'll get back to Gloria later and why I don't like her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we are still in the time period before the book starts, but a man is hanging around the house and Maria sees him in the backyard. It scares her uh, that there's this random man in the backyard. But I believe they brush it off as a meter reader. Yes, because uh, he he the, he said he was with the util- one of the utilities company and uh, doesn't respond anymore. Uh, she stops responding, so... He eventually disappears, but she's like, well, even though no one called and warned me, I'm just going to treat that as a one-off. Yeah. Where it turns out the guy was an ICE agent, and one day Maria is arrested and deported. Now, before we go further, question. How would you handle that? You're Maria. This let, Let's say you're not as... Um, 
as a block. I don't want to say blase as a bad way, but you're, you're not brushing this one off. You see this little utilities, quote unquote, utilities worker sneaking around in your backyard trying to look shit up. You catch them and say, hello, who are you? They are. They try to identify themselves and then they leave. What do you, what do, you do after that? What would you do? Like we're leaving, we're busting ass, or uh, we're huddled. Well, no, because they can bust through the door. I I, I was just curious because I thought about what I could possibly do, but then I thought, shit, what could you do? I think at that point I would just have to be like Maria and be, oh, it it has to be a meter reader. Like I would just have to tell myself that. Like even though (sighs) I would suspect it was something more, I, you know, they're going to have situations like that and if he didn't, you know, he wasn't wearing the ice jacket with the big letters on the back, I don't think she could even try to, like, she can't scare herself at every situation. That's true, but she has some red flags that really pointed to her, maybe, if she thought about it, maybe, um, and, and I'm not putting the blame on her, honestly, this is them wanting to try to catch her, that they're, they're intentionally deceiving her, but, uh-huh. you know, um, not being identified or not being forewarned by any of the companies as well as not seeing any official paperwork or badging, that would put me on high alert. But I do understand what you're saying, which is like, you can't be scared all the time. You can't, everything can't be, you're about to, um, be taken down. You got to live your life. So I get that also. You have to fool yourself into thinking it's nothing. And it's not like, you know, that takes money to move. If they can't just leave everything behind. They don't have that much money. That is true as well. Exactly. So if it is a let's bud the fuck out of here, it needs to be for a very good reason. Mm-hmm. Just sucks. Yeah. So she was deported. It's kind of implied, or at least it's what her parents believe and argue. But the reason Maria was discovered is because she refiled that paperwork. Yeah, they needed updated information and stuff, which I assume is, uh, of course, their address and whatnot, and who was in the house. And when they verified that shit, verified where they lived, it was over. Yeah. So she's in Colombia for about two months. At first, she wanted Diane to join her. Diane decided to stay with her dad. And Maria comes back somehow, getting across the border. In the book, there is not an explanation given Diane says to this day she doesn't really understand how her mom came back, but she does. Mm-hmm. She was like, well, you can't keep me down. <laughs> Which, yeah, I I know that must have taken a lot of money, so that's probably why they don't do it again later for <laughs> the final time. Mm-hmm. But I was like really surprised when she was deported the first time. I was like, "What? <laughs> nothing stopped you know, nothing stopped her." I'm sorry, just her. the way you, the way you said it, like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> That's really how it was. <laughs> so Maria tries to go. Sorry. <laughs> Maria tries to go back to her old life, working as a babysitter, walking the neighborhood kids to school. When again, she is picked up, deported. Mm-hmm. The family was already planning on moving since they were afraid. But now they really don't have a choice. Eric moves with an uncle and Hector and Diane move in with a family friend that has a basement apartment that they rent out to them. And the basement apartment is so small that they have to get rid of most of the things or box them up. 
I think Diane said it was only one room pretty much and it is rat infested. Crazy. It's like you got to do what you got to do, but I also be like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm sleeping on something very elevated, but then they be, they be climbing, they be jumping. Uh -huh. I, just, oh, oh, I hate Diane it. Diane says she goes to bed and sees rats chewing on things. And yeah. I know you have a rodent phobia and I'm not as scared as you are, but the rats <laughs> just chilling and chewing things where I'm trying to sleep, like I could never. Which I know is coming from a very high privileged place saying because that's like their only option. I can never. <laughs> but yeah, it, and I think she said she was just like sleeping on a mattress on the ground. Mm-hmm. You're like, I yeah. I will never forget. I'm we're not gonna say who it was, but I will never forget at one of my first ever sleepovers, which I was still grateful for because it was a good time. I saw I saw a mouse at my friend's house run across where I was going to be sleeping soon. And I said, what was that? And my friend said, you already know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> like, bitch, you gotta, you're, you're in or you out, bitch. And I just was like, oh, my dumb ass is in. <laughs> Didn't you say you were sleeping on the floor too? Yes, like, I was sleeping on the floor. Like, oh ugh. no. At that moment, I've, I don't know if I would call someone. Here's the thing you know my situation. Who was going to come and get uh -huh. me a whole 40 minutes away from my own house? You live so far away from the rest of us. <laughs> <sighs> Tragedy. But yeah, so yeah, I, I do I do have a problem with rodents. But yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, and she said what's even worse was when a rat would die in the walls and you could just smell it like the dead body decomposing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that was, that's crazy. Because you just and, know it's there. Yeah, you just know it's there. You can't really do anything if it's in the walls. And mm -hmm. the people upstairs helped them by feeding Diane, but it still wasn't the best situation for them. Yep. And Diane's grade starts slipping. Hector is working all the time and is still paying, trying to get himself legal. Diane is going through these pretty big milestones that would have been easier if Maria was still there, like needing a brawl. Yeah. When she first tries to tell Hector she needs one, he tells her she's fine, but she insists she needs one. Diane also gets her period and not knowing any better, she flushes the pads down the toilet. After months, Maria is able to get back to America. But Let's this talk time, about a quick, a quick thing. Yeah. Me, first of all, how do I have titties and you telling me I'm fine? <laughs> the audacity. <laughs> you didn't take that girl to the fucking Dollar General, at least. You should have took her somewhere as soon as she said that. But yeah, eventually, you know, you got to shit together. But I'm fine. Yeah, I... She did say she was dressing like a, what in baggy clothes, like a boy at that time, like more boy clothes. But you never so maybe know. That's why. Yeah. What's going to happen? You got to be prepared. <laughs> and when Maria comes back to America, this time she goes and stays with her sister because that ICE agent just must be out there patrolling the streets where they live, and it's not safe for her there. Hector and Maria are able to get a new place in Boston where. It should be safe for them. Meanwhile, Eric is still in New Jersey, and he's on his way to work, and he gets jumped. Mm. 
They're probably planning to rob him, but Eric is carrying the toolbox and he uses it to fight them off. Someone calls 911 and the three would-be robbers are arrested, but the dad is, so is Eric. Yeah, like what? I I was baffled. I, I had to read that little few pages like three times because I'm like, what am I missing? Mm-hmm. You weren't missing a- anything but racism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eric gets arrested for assaulting them, and he could have easily got that dismissed for self-defense. But his lawyer tells him to take a plea deal and says he was stalking the attackers. Yeah, I was now talk that I had to rewind. I rewinded a few times. Stalking? What? Take a plea deal? What? Such, I was pissed. Yeah, pissed. such bullshit. Because so I was if, thinking, even at the start, like, once, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know how the situation looked, but I just still didn't even know how he even got arrested. How was he still not even treated as the victim, even if he was undocumented? Give him a citation, court date, whatever for that. But I just did not understand why he was arrested in that situation. Just didn't even know at the start. It, it made no sense whatsoever. The only thing I could think of is they tried to get him because he used a toolbox as a weapon, but there's three of them. Like, what do you expect mm-hmm. him to do? Literally 1v3, he was doing nothing but defending himself. So, if you remember, Gloria stopped sponsoring him for citizenship. Mm-hmm. So, what is supposed to be a misdemeanor lesser charge of stalking under immigration law turns into a felony, and Eric is immediately deported. Which... The attorney pissed me off. I forget what it is, but there is something where if you get attacked, you can apply for citizenship. Oh, really? So I Yeah, I don't know why the attorney didn't apply for that if it applied to this case, but it's a certain type of visa that if you get attacked, that you can apply for it. Either the public defender really just truly did not give a fuck and just treated this man as a... A citizen being treated by the U.S. justice system or his public defender just knew he was sandbagging them and just did not like wanted to get the case over with and wasn't trying to spend any time doing anything helpful for his client. Like, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm, I'm about this case. I'm not about to tell you how to apply for or help you apply for your citizenship based off this case or I'm going to just give you this advice. The case is closed. I got all these other cases I'll move on to. Yeah, I think it was bad, like, legal counsel. I think it was just to get the case over with. Mm-hmm. And if he was still in America, you can get a new uh, you can get a new trial based off that, a new sentencing based off uh, ineffective counsel. But, you know, you can't when you're not here. Yeah. So Eric is deported, and the family didn't even get to visit him since it happened so fast. Mm-hmm. Back to Hector and Maria. Hector, for two years, is being led on to by his lawyer, saying, just a few more months, we're making progress. Fill out this form, fill out that form, fill out these forms. And Hector is going along with all of it. Until one day, he calls to check on his case, and the attorney does not pick up and does not call back. So Hector and Diane go down to their attorney's office to see what's up, and their attorney's gone. Yeah. All that's left is some cardboard boxes and newspaper. Hector realizes after two years and thousands of dollars, he has been scammed. Yeah. 
they also found out the person who told them about the lawyer that could help them was a liar too and was getting a kickback for every person she turned on to the lawyer. So who knows how many people were actually scammed by this guy. Yes. And you know, violence does not solve problems. But let me tell you whose ass would have got beat that day. I can't find the lawyer. Oh, bitch, you will do. Bitch, what? face to boot, boot to face, bitch, boot to ribs. Yeah, you smile a lot. Not no more, bitch, because you ain't got teeth. I am done. You are done. What's so funny is me and you are not violent people. And that was my first thought, too. I'm like, I would go after that bitch. Like, I'm saying, <laughs> first of all, the the lawyer is already down dirty scum, but you but he's gone, you, yeah. You are intentionally luring in these families, giving them hope and and feeding them to a shark. I can't your own people. It's literally disgusting. Yeah, that bitch would have got dealt with. I cannot even believe it. And you know, and it broke my heart because you go back to the beginning. They worked extra jobs, put themselves through hell, their bodies through hell to get this man this money. And it's like, man, if they would have saved that money, would have enriched their lives more? Would they have saved that money and actually got a legitimate lawyer and got more further in this case? It's just so unfortunate. It's so unfortunate. And that's why I think Hector, his only response is to try. He can't do anything. He doesn't argue about it. Mm -hmm. He doesn't get mad he, he's just broken at that point and maria even tells him like we gotta do something you can <laughs> go go back the next day and hector just gets up off from the table and like leaves he, he doesn't even discuss it yeah around this time is also when diane gets into the boston arts academy i know this book is about her and i did find it interesting but i think it would have been better from anyone else's perspective <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, Why? Because you said her shit ain't that interesting. Just and her like, parents are going through fucking hell and high water. Like if it was from either one of her parents' situation or even her brother's situation, I think I would have found it more interesting because when she's talking about her school stuff, and I know that's important to her, I was like, let's skim a little bit. You said, <laughs> oh my God, all this shit happening. And she's like, then I went to BAA and talked to my girls. <laughs> Which one in this? And then we had this great recital and ball. And you like, God damn, this bitch won't stop talking. Which That's it was shame. good for her because I know that was like an outlet for her. It was a way to be with friends. And, and it connects her to what she ended up doing and how yeah. she ended up pinning this whole book. And you're just like, fuck all that. <laughs> we and I did enjoy the book, so I'm not trying to shit on her. I'm just saying. <laughs> you said and this book was from anybody, else, <laughs> anybody else's perspective. Mwah. But this one, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I just think of like all the characters we've like mentioned in here, and it's like, yeah. But unfortunately, she doesn't have their voice and their experiences, so this is the best she could do. I get that. I get that. But that and is, I, I get what you're saying. As, yeah. yeah, I get what you're saying as well, though. <laughs> <laughs> Every story is important. That is true. So I'm leaving some of her stuff that I just find like filler out. But yeah, this is also when Gloria starts being bringing the niece back around. She claims it's so 
Denise knows her family, but I think Gloria just needs a free babysitter. Yeah, because bitch, what, why you ain't help my man, Eric? <laughs> or it says she brings Denise around in the evenings. It's like, I bet she's going out, or I bet she has a job she's at that time. Going out, yeah, it's, it's all to benefit her because the thing is, is you're bringing the niece around and leaving. You're not visiting with the niece. No. You dropping her off and then you doing your damn thing. So yeah, it's all about, you know, it might be about bonding with them, but her, it's like, yeah, this is her family and so they are obligated to take her as well. <laughs> so now we're about to the beginning of the book where Diane comes home and no one is there. Maria had just recently had a dream of diving into a pond that had dead fish that she mm -hmm. took as a bad omen. But with the lottery winning, she thought it meant nothing. Well, Maria is picked up and then so is Hector on his way home from work. Diane is told by a neighbor and she wasn't mean about it, but she told her very nonchalantly. Yeah, it is like, what it was. Yeah, she said it. She told her like she was telling her the weather like it meant nothing. Around this time, Diane is just 14, so still a child, an early teen. The first person Diane calls is Gloria, her brother's estranged wife, and she asks if she can move in with her, mm -hmm. or if Gloria can move in there. And Gloria tells her, that's not a good idea. Which, ooh, that's what really pissed me off. And I don't know why, but she barely mentions Gloria, and when she does, she does not mention her negatively. But I just do not like her at all. I think she don't like her too, but I think she's just like, <laughs> you know what? I still I still F with my cousin Erica. We cool. I ain't gonna trash blast or fucking trash ass, garbage ass mama. But I am just gonna speak neutrally about everything she did to me and which she did nothing for me. Cause that is crazy. You got pregnant and moved in with this whole man's family you let the family babysit and help and support you you know with that child and when this child needs you the most i mean not even consideration for a day just just not i can't help you basically and um i wish you all the luck and and she didn't even say that yeah what she she can't say okay let me let me come over let me pick you up which she does come over later but she trying to like say, just help her for that one day and then tell her, hey, you can't stay Nothing. here, girl. Like, didn't even try to help her. Didn't even try. And and she's laying, this is a 14-year-old child who is literally a bandit now. She has nobody. And I just could not believe the cruelness in in such a, a rejection. Yeah. Of somebody that she actually knows in real life and has interacted with and lived with. Her sister-in-law. Yeah. I, yeah, technically, yeah. Even though they didn't get married, but it's like if the neighbors, yeah, they, they were a little fucked up, but they have, they're, they're not her family. They didn't come into her home like this woman did. This woman just completely was selfish. Fuck her forever. Yeah, and... Her brother was a decade older, so Gloria's at least 24. Mm-hmm. So the next person Diane calls is her friend Gabby's mom, Amelia. 
Amelia comes right over, and while there, Hector calls and asks if Amelia can take Diane in. And while there, some neighbors come over, and Amelia lets them in, thinking they are coming over to offer their condolences or any, something like that. But they are there like vultures to pick over the leftover items the family left behind. One woman empties the fridge out before being kicked out, which I get the family can't use it, but damn. Get that bitch, and nah, fuck that. What you gonna do is at least be semi-respectful and wait till this whole whole house is abandoned. If ain't if somebody's opening the door for you, you should have been like, you know, I'm sorry I heard about it. I just want to make sure you're okay. And turn your sneaky, shady ass around until at least nightfall. I mean, goddamn, let the girl leave and pick up the remainder of her life before you sit there and, and empty, fucking shake her refrigerator refrigerator and, and cabinets closed and empty. I can't. I get it, but nah. It's still a little bit cruel. Yeah, and it said it was, what, one man, two women? No. <sighs> one woman, two men. And I think that's what it was. It was either... Something around there. Um, but, like, what else were they coming for if Amelia was not there? Were they going to take the furniture? Were they going to take... Mm-hmm. Which, I feel like furniture is a little bit more understandable, but the, damn, the 14-year-old girl is still there. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were going to get the furniture eventually. They just wanted to get the food first. Uh-huh. Diane is able to visit her family before they are deported, and one thing her mom says that makes sense is that she was told ICE agents aren't out there patrolling for them. They had to be tipped off. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who is tipping off against the mom, but it's like every chance she got to be back in America, they are finding her. Yeah, somebody in her circle is fucked up. Can't hold I, water. I don't want to say it, but I think it's Gloria. No. <laughs> That's not funny. That's not funny. But I don't know. That was trying to like think like I was hoping they would like say it at the end because they kind of bring it up later. Like mom thinks someone tipped it off. It was like who could mm-hmm. it be? But I guess they never found out. We never found out. Yes, a speculation type deal. Uh huh. Or it could have just been one of the neighbors, which is a shitty thing to do too. As well, that is true. Diane does pack each one a suitcase, and that is all they have with them when they are deported back to Colombia. A few months later, Diane visits them in Colombia and discovers that Hector and Maria have separated. Mm-hmm. The deportation was too much for them to handle as a couple, and they blame each other for it happening, mostly Hector blaming Maria for redoing her paperwork. Which, which is kind of bullshit, because Hector did his paperwork too, his just was to a scam artist. Yeah. Her brother, Eric, is doing good down there teaching English, but the parents are still finding their footing. I think the mom, Maria, at first takes it the hardest. Diane describes her as always crying and trying to rehash everything. When Diane goes back to live with Amelia, she tries to stay out of the way and be respectful to not get kicked out. Gabby jokes that she doesn't need to ask every time she gets a snack, but Diane is not ruining this opportunity of staying there. Yeah, and that's kind of how I was on sleepovers, but I definitely get that. It's like things are fragile. Anything could lead to me not having a home anymore. I don't want them to think I'm ungrateful. I don't want them to think I'm lazy. I don't think I'm greedy. I just want them to not even see me. 
Yeah, because if she was her child, she could do all that stuff and not worry about being kicked out. Mm-hmm. But as just the child's friend, like if she's eating too much, she's gonna get her ass kicked out. Like she yeah, freaks you- out about leaving hair in the hair in the tub. I think it was, and it's like, damn, such a small thing that most people don't even think of. Yeah, she took on her parents' worrying like they used to do about their home to her 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 livelihood. Period. Yeah, so much so when Diane gets hit by a car crossing the street. Oh she my God. tells the lady who hits her she's fine and to not call 911 because she is afraid of being found. Like, bitch, uh, I mean, not, I'm sorry to call you a bitch, Diane. Like, bitch, are you crazy? You just got hit. <laughs> and Diane is documented, but yeah, Child you... Protective Services or someone from the state never checked on her. So now mm-hmm. her fear is being put into foster care or causing trouble for Amelia. Yeah, but what's the point of being free when you, sh- you fucked up? <laughs> you can, you got to get that... She, she don't know the secret. You have them call the police, the ambulance. You get you, you get what you need to at the hospital. And then you bail. Bam! <laughs> yeah. So Amelia noticed Diane limping and takes her to the hospital. And I think she had a fractured wrist. But mm-hmm. for the most part, she's okay. Diane lives with Amelia for over a year. But when Amelia's older daughter gets pregnant, she doesn't have room for Diane. So she tells Hector... Diane has to leave, and Hector arranges for Diane to move in with some family members. Age 14 to 18, Diane kind of speeds through it in the book, or maybe I did reading it, because it's just school stuff, getting jobs, kind of like normal teen stuff. But she still has to deal with missing her parents. Yeah. Getting into college, Diane is drifting apart from her parents, which happens naturally, but they are in another country, so... You know, it's going to happen, but that's just kind of worse because they call and she doesn't call them back and they try to leave voicemails and they just go unanswered. Yeah. And Diane also has to deal with white people in college. I tell you. (laughs) Growing up, it was mostly Latinas and going to college, she tries to fit in and it's a time where people rediscover themselves anyways, but it's just trying to fit in, being around a new group of people, a new social class of people. And Diane is very protective of her story. She doesn't want to just be another sob story of, oh, my parents got deported and I had to live with a friend and my family and, you know. So she's just trying to find her place. Mm-hmm. Her grades are just C's and B's, no matter how hard she tries, and she discovers she has ADD and dyslexia. Yeah, she was dealing with a fucking lot. Which she she didn't even know it. She probably would have found that out sooner if she wasn't dealing with so much before. Mm Mm-hmm. So she gets medicine and extra time on tests, and it seems to help. She does some traveling to London at a study abroad program. She's dating a guy named Brian, and it's not the best relationship, but, you know, young love. Well, one of them is young love. (laughs) How old is he? I I don't know. I just know that he was older than her. I just wanted to tell a small joke. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So around this time, she moves to D.C. for the spring semester, and her student loans fall through. Diane was doing all the paperwork herself, and something, some things weren't right in them. She takes out private loans to cover the cost of school, and these loans have very high interest rates. 
the stress of loans and school drive Diane into a depression, and she thinks the, it's the medicine she got from ADD is to blame, so she quits them. And that affects her school because that was helping her. So why would she get off them? But mm -hmm. Diane moves back to Boston thinking she would do better at Regis, her original college campus. So she moves in with Brian, even though she says it wasn't the best decision. And Diane takes to drinking and partying. And while she's being social at partying, she starts neglecting her family and friends. They reach out to her and try to stop by or call, but Diane ignores them. Yeah, and she's just dealing with this whole, you miss them, you love them, you wish they were there, you're resentful, you can't stand it. This is the reason why they're not here. You just, ugh, Yeah. And I do want to give a warning here that we are going to be talking about self-harm. Mm -hmm. From here, we learned that Diane has started self-harming she talks about waking up in a hospital bed after harming herself and tells us it first happened when she was still in D.C. She learned about her loans falling through and she was drinking some Merlot. And I don't even know how to describe it. She had an episode where she really couldn't control herself. She starts digging her nails into her arms and pulling her hair and slapping herself and crying out for her mom and dad. She's rocking back and forth and she sees the wine cork, the wine corkscrew, and she plunges the sharp tip into her arm. She was so scared of what she did and the pain of it. But on the other hand, it kind of gave her a sense of control, even though she was really out of control, but she could control that pain. She tells herself she'll never do it again, but it becomes an urge she can't control. She says from here, she starts cutting herself with razor blades, kitchen knives, bobby pins, nail filers, paper clips, pretty much anything that was close by. At the hospital, a nurse talks to her about cutting and sets her up with a social worker, but they release her that night. On the way home, Brian tells her they gotta figure it out and that he wants to help her, but he doesn't know how. And Diane just says she feels alone. like. She felt alone saying that to him, which made it worse because he was there. For a few months, Diane is, is able to not self-harm, but she does go back to doing it. Classmates start to notice, and she's called into the counseling center. The therapist tries to talk to her on what's wrong, but Diane just lies, not ready to open up. Which I thought was weird. Like, here you are, someone's offering you help or something, but just to make up a situation yeah it's just so un it's it's a it's unfortunate because i mean it's, it's like people say you can't force somebody to get help they have to be ready to receive and help themselves receive help as well as help themselves and she was just not taking care of herself as well as not really having a uh support system to really i mean people notice of course but nobody was really talking to her as a friend and checking in with her as a friend uh, and just this counselor doing it at this point, maybe it didn't feel like enough. Maybe she didn't feel like it was worth talking about or she didn't feel comfortable. And it just, you know, the problem just didn't get solved at that point when it, it could have been maybe uh, helped. It could have helped her earlier. She could have maybe uh, made bigger strides and better strides. But she, she got there. But, yeah, it's a little yeah. dark period in her life, definitely. 
And Diane says one time after an argument with Brian, she goes up to the roof of their apartment building and threatens to jump. And then one day she goes up there and is just gazing down, thinking about jumping. And somehow she falls asleep. Mm-hmm. But when she, w- she wakes up when a strong gust of wind comes by and while getting up, she almost slips and slips off the roof's edge. It was snowy and icy. And in that moment, she fights for her life. And Brian tells her she has to get help, and she does end up going to a therapist named Lorraine. She wasn't fixed on her first visit, but therapy does help Diane. From here, she starts working as a bottle service waitress, still not knowing what she's going to do in life. She's thinking lawyer. While working as the bottle girl, a friend convinces her to take up acting. She is always doing little skits for her co-workers, so after some thoughts on her career it starts shifting towards acting and she is going to auditions, taking classes, getting headshots. Mm-hmm. And the commute to New York city is four hours and she is just making it work, staying with family, planning out her schedule, running low on money. She sells her used shoes for $30 on Craigslist. And the rest of the book is her going to auditions, her career advancing. She breaks up with Brian eventually. And towards the end, she talks about meeting someone else. She found something to reinvigorate, reinvigorate her to give her a drive and purpose and really started putting her effort and money and time into it. And it started to pay dividends to the point where she got a, 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 a supplemental job, you know, let go of that boyfriend who obviously wasn't doing, adding anything to her life and really putting her, her nose down and doing this stuff. So. Yeah. I do like how she admits she blamed her mom for being deported. And since she restarted that paperwork, which her dad was doing the same thing. So why not blame him? Mm. But the seven years after deportation, she is not as close to her mom Her mother moves to Madrid and Diane does visit her and they have an argument, but Diane pretty much says she needs to let those feelings of resentment go. And it wasn't her mother's fault. Do you think it's her mom's fault? I think that if you want to just blame somebody for like something, sure. But this was over, like this was something that could not have been stopped. No. It it eventually was going to be somebody's fault, but it was nobody's fault in that family. It was Uh this flawed system of you know just trying to give these humans a better life and not being protected or safe by the country they unfortunately wanted to come to yeah and the whole thing of they had to know they had a 14 year old daughter living there mm-hmm. and they just abandoned they just her did like, not give a fuck they said that that could fall by the wayside whatever happened to her happened because of course they knew yeah of course like, no one from the state came to check by. I mean, they could have came by the house, but if they didn't find her, they didn't like put out if, a missing person, something. Yeah, you what? Because they got they got the mother on her way home from shopping or on her way to I forgot, and then the father as well driving. Uh huh. So they know that they didn't get him at home, but they know that they got a, a daughter coming home, and nobody, no agency was waiting. Nobody called. Nobody left any it was it was nothing yeah i think it was definitely on purpose of whoever whatever government agency being aware of the fact that diane was there but them truly just not caring 
No, it's because like, they just wanted to deport the parents. That's what they cared about. So stupid. And I guess they figured if Diane wants to go to Columbia, she can figure something out on her own. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, she's a she's a citizen, so she can either she'll either be in here or she'll probably be with her parents soon enough, you know, or she'll be gone, or maybe she'll she'll die, or it's like literally they just did not care about her life. Yeah, that's why I feel like I, maybe they didn't say that out loud, but they did not care if that child died, survived, or got sent to Columbia herself. They did not care to do more paperwork. Mm-hmm. So Maria moves back to Columbia to be closer to Eric, but she's still not with Hector. Diane throughout the book says she wants to bring her parents back to the United States, and it's something she still hopes for. And that's pretty much it. Like it goes through her career. Orange's New Black. Um, it wasn't Ugly Buddy. What other show was she on? Jane the Virgin. Jane the Virgin. Jane the Virgin. She's in. This book also came out before like Orange's New Black was finished, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. So we couldn't get a real feelings on that because they started <laughs> that. The, the first of all, ooh, still pisses me off, but. That last season, they were really delving into that whole immigration deportation uh-huh. uh, detention center situation. So, yeah, that would have been kind of interesting to hear her talk about how that how the development of that system came about. Season came about. Did she have any input? Were they inspired by her op ed? Uh, uh, like, I, you know, just curious. It would have been a little bit more curious to know. But, you know, we can't. We can't stop and start when books are written. (laughs) Well, okay. That's one of my kind of questions I have for this. Was her coming out with this book at that time the right time for the book? Mm. I'm always kind of a believer that memoirs should be more towards the end of one's life, the end of one's career. Let's look back. Let's write about it. Well, okay. So when the, what official year did this come out? Because if this came out in Trump era, this was I, I think this was purposeful in what it needed to do. Well, I think it did come out in Trump era because like, she wrote right that in 2017. Or let me look it up because I did not look it up exactly. Because I think yes, that is when those books most likely should be for the most part, should be written, but I do think that there are special exceptions, and I think this is one of them. I think she wrote this book about her life, given the times that we were in as a country. Immigration, uh, ICE, and these bad conditions for immigrations as uh, immigrants as well as poor... Um, the just the way that they end up taking them in these detention centers, how they treat them, house them and feed them have always been a problem, but it was a ridiculous, huge problem from that 2015 to 2020 to now on 2020, but still now, but it's like, she wanted to get this out. She wanted to share a story because it was really about what it, what we were dealing with now. Yeah, I kind of feel like she wrote that op-ed piece, it gained traction, and there was enough interest for a book. Yeah, I think she took advantage of it, and I think it's good that she took advantage of it, as well as expanded upon her whole story beyond what she just wrote about in 
the um the uh the times was it was was it i think maybe new york times la times washington post one of those people this came out 2000 it was published may 3rd 2016 yeah i think it was just I think she was taking advantage of her story lining up with exactly what we were talking about going on in America. Because I think if we didn't have Trump as a president or incoming as a president, I don't think maybe that book gets written. Maybe the article still gets written, but maybe not the book. But who knows? I still think it was an important book. It was still a good book. Um, Would you recommend this book? Oh, definitely. I definitely would. Um, yeah. Even though, like like we were saying, some parts waned in as far as our interest just a little bit, you know, because we were more like pulled into her mother, father, brother's stories. It's still a great read. It's still an important subject. And it's, it's written great. Uh, the tone of uh, the story as well as, you know, um, like how she puts you in the stories of how, how she grew up how her house was, how her parents were before and after dealing with these uh, hard issues of deportation. Like it, it paints a great picture. I still think it's an overall entertaining good book. I think it would be so interesting if they ever like revisit this book to have like inserts from the parents or the brother. Oh, I do think that maybe like a 10 year later, what happened? Do we ever get you know these uh these people who were discriminated against in the country again as yeah citizens? i don't i don't know if her brother could because he technically has a felony now oh yeah that is gonna if if it is uh able it would be an uphill battle but damn i feel like damn but still it still would be interesting overall what you said yeah thank you you're welcome um just off the top of your head we do need to come up with like a ranking system a rating system but like out of five stars how would you rate this hmm hmm. five stars let's just say like that that was mine 3.5 yeah but what was you going to say before i ruined it i was just saying like based on enjoyability on the story on recommendation on if you would reread it is this a book you would reread i think it's one and done for me me too i still think it's a three and a half star type of book a good read but i i do think this is a one and done for me unless like you said there was like an updated version with more stories more input more information than yeah if they do that they owe me money because that was my idea Hashtag Shut TM. up. Trademark. Yeah. <laughs> put, it, put it into writing. We need to prove it. And I will sue. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I I like this book. I would recommend it to people. I, But it is a one and done. Okay. For the most part, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Even though it was dealing with... It was a very... It wasn't like a happy book. Yeah, but to be fair, we at least in the in the in the uh, beginning of the book, she warned you. You you know what you're walking into. That is true. That is true. And do you have a book recommendation for next time? 
Yes, I do. Okay, I wanted to use that pause to say, is this book going to be January's book? Or December's? <laughs> That's what I'm saying, because we're only doing two weeks in December. I'm Unless, just gonna... This is what you want to do. We can take one erroneous night towards the last week in December and record it. And then you can just upload it, but we still technically are on break. We can do December. Okay. All right. So I said, yes, I do. All right. So let me bring that. I'm leaving all that in. Your ass. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> you left that up. What, what else did I say? Oh, it was, uh, I hope they serve beer in hell. Where I was like, um, do you, are you ready? Do you have what, what you're going to talk about? You said, I don't got no script. Oh, no, it's funny. I was like. This because I finally I finally listened to the episode last week. I said this motherfucker really left it in. <laughs> I always leave your mistakes, not mine. <laughs> I know you bastard. All right, so let me go. So for my December pick for the Save Your Sorry Book Club is uh, "Jokes My Father Never Taught Me" by Rain Pryor. Now, if Ew. you're not. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, if you're not familiar with uh, her, just off the basis of her name, Rain Pryor is the daughter of uh, famous deceased comedian Richard Pryor. It is a book that um, I think we are both familiar with, but we have not revisited in years, as well as besides that huge story of, you know, what ended up happening to him. Um, I barely remember anything in that book. So this is a flawed man. He was doing a lot of stuff. He's also a very revered man in his, um, in his, uh, what do you want to call it? In his field, being a comedian. And so I thought it was only right that this flawed, funny man be the subject of our next book club episode. Yeah, I haven't read it in 10 years. Mm -hmm. The last time I read it, we were in your dorm room. And I said, ooh, can I borrow this? And you said, no. And so I stole it from your dorm room and I read it. Yeah, I think I didn't find out until pretty much you were almost done. Yeah. <laughs> because that's how, what happens. I reject Jose and he still finds a way to do whatever I said I didn't want him to do. So it should be interesting. I I remember bits and pieces of yeah. the book, but it would be interesting to reread it. Me, I, I think so as well. Just just like, uh, I hope they serve beer in hell, I, I like a, <laughs> I like a revisitation. Uh, ten years later. Yep. So, that is the book club pick. We hope that you enjoyed this episode, and we hope that you decide to join us for uh, the next month's episode as well. Yeah, join us on our next chapter. Ooh, I like that. I like that. I like that. <laughs> it's been wonderful. Bye. See ya.